Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Amen. Amen. So, I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony with you. I think it's important, you guys, to testify of the great things that God has done, not to be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Proclaim His name. Give Him glory for the great things He's done in your life. And so I'm going to touch on early years, and uh, we'll go from there. So first of all, anybody here from Wisconsin? Like nobody? Anybody here ever been to Wisconsin? Yes, okay. Now, put Wisconsin aside for a moment. Anybody here from Minnesota? Yes, yes. So, was born in Ladysmith, Wisconsin. My dad and mom moved us to Moose Lake, Minnesota when I was about six months old, and that's where I grew up. Small town, 1,400 people, Typical Midwest town. Everybody's nice. Minnesota nice. Um, sort of a very normal, I, I thought, very normal upbringing. We, our family was known to be a good family, stable, church-going. My dad worked at the bank. My mom, they just, we were in sports, doing athletics, all that kind of stuff. But... Something happened that was very traumatic. So we're in this small town growing up. When I was about 11 and a half years old, something traumatic took place. Now, my mom and dad, they seemed to be good in their marriage, they, and they wouldn't show us kids that anything was wrong in their marriage at all. We thought everything was perfect. We had rose-colored glasses on as we were growing up in Moose Lake. So, fast forward a little bit. I'm 11 and a half years old. My mom told us kids, there's six of us kids, uh, ages 17 to 5. My mom said, hey, I'm going to go and visit my brother in, in Wisconsin for a couple of weeks. And in my mind, at that age, I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. She's never done that before, but okay, whatever. So fast forward two weeks, and it's a Friday, it's Friday evening, it's football night in Moose Lake, Minnesota, and you know, it's just that small town thing, and, and our, all of us kids are around the table, my dad is on the other side of the table from me, I was taking a bite of my food, I remember the food, it was scrambled eggs, and I looked up and I said, Dad, you know, when is mom coming back? He looked up and said, in anger, and I'd never heard dad get angry, but he said and declared, she's never coming back. Just like that. She's never coming back. Wow. The only way I can describe it is a hammer to a pane of glass. Everything shattered with one sentence. One reality. 
Didn't know how to handle it, didn't know how to process it as an 11 and a half year old mind. I felt, what did I do? Was it my fault? What happened? Why would she leave us? And then we found out dad began to explain to us that she left with our family's best friend for years. She left with him. She moved to California and set up her new life there. So here we are, six kids, my dad now having to work two jobs, take care of us, feed our mouths, and we're struggling. I'm struggling. What in the world just happened? It just sent me off into this life of trying to figure out what in the world life is. No stability. Uh, just crazy. My friend uh, in school, and, and going to school on Monday after that whole thing was the most, I was so ashamed, I was so embarrassed, I, didn't, I thought everybody in that school was looking at me. That is the kid of that the family that's, you know, got the divorce going on. And, and my friend asked if I wanted to go out and drink some wine with them. You know, and here now I'm, we're just kind of drifting in life as a young kid. And I said, sure. So we went out and had some wine with my friend. And man, when I tasted that wine, I was like, ah, oh, this feels good. It really does. I don't have to feel what I was feeling. You know, the pain was so real and so deep. Anyway, so it started me off on a drifting life filled with alcohol, just not knowing who I was, looking for an identity, looking to be accepted by anybody, just insecure as the day is long, not knowing who I was, not knowing the Lord at that time. And I remember those days when, when it first happened, and I look back and I think, man, I wish I wish somebody, anybody would have come up to me at that time after the divorce, after the shattering, and just put their arm around me and said, hey, it's going to be okay. Nobody did that. Not even my dad. And, and I want to pause here and, and share with you guys and encourage you. There may be somebody that you know that is really struggling in life right now and all they need is an arm to be put around them and here it's gonna be okay. It'll be all right. Fast forward, enter into university life, you know, doing okay in life, hanging in there, uh, doing what typical kids would do, go to university, play uh, sports was sort of my sanctuary at the time. Um, doing that. University life was crazy. Party. I looked forward to the parties. You know, the drinking became very, very, very deeply problematic. Um, by the time Monday hit, going to classes and stuff, I'm looking forward to, to Thursday now to start drinking and Friday, whatever. Meanwhile, playing sports, trying to maintain a life. Anyway, years go by, end up moving to, my mom was in California, I ended up moving to, to Mammoth Lakes, California, Mammoth Mountain Ski Area, have you heard of that, California, Sierra Nevadas? So moved there, um, got a job at the ski area, I, my, my great goal in life at that time was to be a ski bum, so you know, uh, had the opportunity to move to Mammoth Lakes, California, and eventually Mammoth Mountain, um, asked my brother, my younger brother Greg, 
who was just finishing high school at the time, to come and join me there. So we, he comes and joins me. Uh, we start a band, and we're partying and living the good life. But inside, empty is all get out, not knowing who I was, what I was doing, why I was doing what. Just the, the, the residue of that traumatic experience just kind of, it, it hung on. Anyway, so life goes on. In the, with our band, we thought, hey, let's move to California and make it big in the world of music. You know, the, the pipe dream for lots of musicians, that we just get to Los Angeles and get one of those showcase gigs and somebody recognizes us and wants to sign us up, it would be just the most awesome thing. It would be amazing. So we moved to, to, to Southern California. Um, and begin the life there, music, party, so on. Very, very interesting. The Lord's plan was different than what I thought the plan was for moving down to Southern California. There's no doubt. So my wife and I were married in 1983. Okay. Um, Christina wasn't, Christina had an experience with the Lord previously, but she wasn't walking with the Lord. I definitely don't know the Lord at all, and, but we're trying to make, the, you know, the music thing go on and, and all. So I'm going to fast forward to the night. Okay, 1984. February 19th, 8 o'clock at night. Something amazing happened in my life. <laughs> That night, my mom, who is now a believer, who started going to Calvary Chapel in Downey, she invited us to come to a prayer meeting at her house for our, my older brothers, who were really deep into alcohol and struggling and so on. And I thought to myself, well, that's interesting. It's strange. I'm not a Christian. I don't know why she would ask me to come and to her prayer meeting and didn't make sense at all. Christina and I came. Um, my sister was there. Uh, my sister came with her boyfriend, Sam DeSatko, and the moment I entered into mom's house, she had this Christian music going, and it just kind of drew my attention, my ear, and my heart. This is different. These guys are singing about Jesus, and my heart began to soften in a way. And so later on that evening, my wife on one side of me, my sister on another side of me, they looked at me and essentially said, Jeff, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I'm like, in my mind going, what does that even, what does that mean? What does that look like? What do I have to do? I mean, one of the thoughts was, do I have to go to church if I do this? I mean, just strange thinking going on. But you guys, I'll tell you what happened. At that moment, this experience began to take place. From the soles of my feet, up through my whole being, this, this gushing, this, this moving within me, this stirring within me. And I said, yes, I do. I do. And so I prayed you know, what we call the sinner's prayer. I just repented of my sin. I said, Lord, come into my life. 
come into my life. And when I did that, tears, the flood of tears came through my eyes, just bursting. It was, it was sort of a, an admixture of joy and the sense of being forgiven of my sin. I think that was the most impressionable thing of that moment was knowing that I was forgiven of my sin. My, uh, literally, I had this experience. My eyes were opened. I saw things new instantly. Ears opened. Like I knew I had new life. I can't, it's hard for me to explain, but it was so real, so amazing. Changed life from that moment on. I'll never forget it. Whenever I have doubts about in my walk with the Lord and who I am and what he's doing, I can, I always go back to that moment in my life, February 19th, 8 o'clock, 1984. It's beautiful. Beautiful. So, the other part of this, my brother, Greg, who is a pastor at Lighthouse Christian Fellowship in, in Twin Falls, Idaho, my brother was in another room in our mom's house giving his life to Jesus through my sister's boyfriend, Sam, who was leading him to the Lord. Same time, different room. We were both born again. So, the kicker on this <laughs> my brother's girlfriend, Pam, he had a, a girlfriend named Pam. Pam and Greg were going to meet that night at a hotel to make up. They, you know, had a very worldly relationship, and they were going to make up that night. Greg drives to that hotel, meets Pam. Pam is there. Greg says to Pam, Pam, I can't do this. I'm born again. I can't. He brings Pam back to my mom's house. Pam gets saved that night in that house. They were married a year and a half later and doing great, and they're ministering, you know, unto the Lord since then. Awesome night. And I'm going to stop here just for a moment. Have, have you met the Lord? Have you truly met him? Have you had a collision with Jesus? I'm sure some of you have, and you can relate to being born again. Maybe others, not so much. Maybe you've gone to church, life's been good, it's okay. I just consider, if you haven't really met Jesus, do that today. He's waiting for you. He'd love to give you a hug. He'd love for you to know him. And I'll tell you what, your love for him will be so intense once you meet him. Anyway, so we end up starting to go to Calvary Chapel in, in Downey. And this, is, this is, it was such a beautiful thing. And the first time I ever went to a church such as Calvary Chapel, and now we're born again, our eyes are opened, we're hungry, we walk into that that big hall that night, and it was so interesting to me from my background. I grew up as a Catholic, which, you know, I praise God for that upbringing and some of that foundation, but as, as we walked into this storefront building and, and see all of these people, such as yourself, sitting in the pews and raising their hands in worship and just loving the Lord, 
it was like, what is this, you know? And, and who are these people? And I, I, all I, I remember is, I didn't know anybody in that hall, but I sure love them now, you know? <laughs> it's just a different way of viewing things. And so we been, began to get plugged in to the church there and, um, and loved it for sure. Um, again, my eyes were opened. That experience changed my life forever. So let's start with 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in the scripture here. And I want to remind us, and, and I, I know that you'll know these scriptures, but may they be new to your ears today, truly. So 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. Starting with verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So Paul is talking about that new life that changes the way we think. We have a desire to live for the one that died for us, rose again for us. Verse 15 says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. We're being set free. Verse 16 says, Therefore, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. So Paul is describing his new life, his new lens through which he sees people, sees Christ, doesn't look at people according to the flesh, doesn't see Christ according to the flesh, you know, that crucified carpenter guy but the risen Lord. Verse 17, church, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old, thing is, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Question, are you in Christ today? Raise your hand if you are. Are you in Christ? <laughs> okay. Some of you may be hesitating a little bit. That's all right. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You're not a remade old creation person. You're a brand new creation. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God has come in you. Jesus said the kingdom of God will be within you. And the Holy Spirit brings that to life in you. It's new creation. I, I'm so glad that the Lord got a hold of me and brought me into that place of being a new creation in Him. Do I struggle? Yeah. Are there trials, difficulties? Of course. But that new creation does not stop. Now all things are of God, and, and this is all about His grace. Everything is from God. This is verse 16. All things are of God. We love Him because He what? He first loved us. He's the one that initiated his salvic plan through his love for us. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. That amazing reconciliation. We were not his. We were dead in our trespass and sin. He did the reconciling by sending his son. We didn't initiate it. 
verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. I, I, this scripture, these thoughts, these words are so deep. You know, we hear often that, you know, Christ on the cross cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? We get that. But here, listen, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So it, it wasn't, in a sense, God the Father being aloof from what was happening on the cross. He was right there with Jesus at the cross, reconciling the world to himself through Christ. It blows my mind. I don't totally understand it. It's a mystery. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us, church, to the believers, the word of reconciliation. We're called to go out and be reconcilers, bringing the message of reconciliation to people who need to hear the gospel. And then taking on that heart of reconciliation. If you're at odds with somebody around you or in your family, be that messenger of reconciliation. Take steps to be reconciled. Life's too short, you guys, to hold on to grudges and bitterness and all of that. Let the Lord work in you and through you. Walk in humility. Walk in the grace of God. Love that person next to you. Ministry, you guys. If, you know, we, we heard an announcement about getting involved in ministry and so on in the church and all that. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage myself today. Ministry is that person in front of you. That's what it is. Ministry is the person in front of you. Person in front of you. That, you know, praying for somebody, eliciting the story from somebody that you're, you're, you're talking to. Hey, tell me your story. What's going on? And there's so many people want to share their story, but are afraid that nobody will listen. So you just keep it to yourself. Engage, engage. Ministry is the person in front of you. Verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's beautiful. I pray that you're knowing these truths, that you are born again, you have that relationship, you're secure in that. So moving on, um, the, the, as we began to grow in the Lord, the idea of being ambassadors, the idea of, of sharing the gospel and preaching the gospel became very real to us. Uh, scriptures started jumping out at us. Um, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations and, and uh, teaching them and so on. And so that be began to deeply seep into our hearts and, and really was centered a lot around the music ministry that God formed for us. This band called the Edifiers out of Calvary Chapel Downey. Now, how many of you have heard of the Edifiers? Hmm, that's shocking. Shocking. You've ne Are you kidding me? We like, we like to joke as a band, like, we're the greatest band that nobody knows. 
<clears throat> we, but here's, here's a, another little tidbit for you. We did two albums, you know, outreach, you know, Christ-centered albums. I was a bass player, by the way, um, which was fun and good. Did two albums, and they both went aluminum. They did. We sold a couple of copies. But that was the, the heart. We, we enjoyed doing the music. The, the heart of it was not to gain fame or fortune or anything. It was we took the attitude, God put it in our hearts. We are gospel preachers and we get to take some instruments and sing some songs as an avenue to do that, a tool to do that. And it was just a great, great time of our life. Um, at one point, we took a class at Calvary Chapel Downey called um, Perspectives on World Missions. That began to grip our heart. Some of the teaching missionaries that have been experienced would be the teachers of it. Don Richardson, who wrote The Peace Child, and others that were just gripped by this idea of going and being ambassadors for Christ. Um, one, I remember one young missionary couple during that class they spoke, they were speaking about their experience. I don't remember anything else they said, but they said, you know, most everybody is going to stay unless they feel or sense the call to go. We didn't take that avenue. We said, we're going to go unless the Lord calls us to stay. And that really like, whoa, that's crazy. In that class, we learned about God's heart for the world. Genesis 12, one book in. In you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And of course, that seed of Abraham would be Jesus, who would be the blessing to all the families of the earth, all the ethnic, all the ethnic groups, all the 18,000 tribes and tongues and nations. Everybody would be blessed through Abraham's seed, Jesus Christ. Begin to grip our hearts. Man, I wonder if the Lord would send us. And so we began to surrender to that possibility. In 1992, we are getting ready to go to Missouri to start a ministry with Bruce Nelson and his wife, Debbie. Bruce Nelson, by the way, was our sound man in the edifiers who built your sound system in this church building. We were going to go do ministry in Missouri, Missouri, and whatever that would look like, plant a church, do youth outreach, whatever. We, we sensed the call to go, and this seemed to be like the avenue that the Lord was putting us on. So that we were turning the corner into 92. I was going to get done with teaching uh, at school. We had a, a school at Calvary Chapel Downey. I was a teacher. I was going to get it done with that year uh, uh, in 92. Then we're going to pack our bags, head to Missouri, and that would be it. So in the meantime, on the way to Missouri, our church starts a work in Russia. The Soviet system had collapsed. There was an idea from Calvary Chapel Downey to go in and start a work, plant a church, whatever. And I'm thinking, you know, that's awesome. I'm teaching my class, getting ready to go to Missouri. We're actually packed in boxes, ready to go to Missouri. And, you know, we heard that the family, that Downey had chosen a family to go and do the long-term work. And, and that was great. We're applauding. We're praying. I'm praying with my kids in the class about the Russia thing. That family couldn't go for one reason or the other. And I'm, I hear that and I'm like, well, okay, whatever. Keep praying for this new ministry of Downey in Russia. They chose another family. Um, I thought, great family. Know this family. Man, they're awesome. They'll do great. God bless them. Pray for them. 
found out that they weren't going to go because the wife was pregnant at the time. So they didn't want her to go to Russia being pregnant. So I'm walking down the corridor of our church where offices were. Pastor Glenn Kravick, love that man, stopped me and we talked for just a few minutes. He was talking about the Russian ministry. He looked at me and said, hey, what would you think about going to Russia? (laughs) You guys, I can't explain to you the piercing arrow in my heart of God's whisper, you're going to be the family to go to Russia. It was so clear, so unmistakable. So now you can imagine, we're all packed and ready to go to Missouri. My wife is Missouri-bound in her mind and her heart. We have three small children, seven, five, and three. And I come home that day and say to her, sweetie, how would you like to go to Russia? You remember? And she's like, what? What? So I knew, I knew right then and there, there's no way I'm going to take my wife and my kids kicking and screaming halfway around the globe that the Lord would have to speak to her. About a week later, I'll never forget it, coming home from work, start walking, you know, into the kitchen, and I could peek through the kitchen and onto the bedroom where the door was cracked a little bit. And of course, I saw my wife, she was on her knees, and as her husband, I'm always thinking, okay, she's on her knees, what's wrong? I get to find out what's wrong, and the Lord stopped me in my tracks, said, don't go in there. Christina comes out just a few minutes later and says, I'm ready to go to Russia. I'm like, yeah, amen, amen. It, it was like this moment that was so powerful. So, you guys, this was in early April, 92. We were living in Russia June 6th, 1992. We had no time We had no time to really consider what we were doing, you know, which was good. Anyway, we pack our bags. We lived there, um, didn't know the language, didn't know anything about Russia. We've got our kids, but the Lord, and this is what I want to share with you guys about that. We spent 13 years in Russia, ultimately, uh, learned language, planted some churches that are still going on today. God is doing a great work. And the thing that, that blew me away was how faithful God is. There were times when we just, all we could do is cry out to the Lord, Lord, help, Lord, help, Lord, help, Lord, help. Don't know the system, don't know anything about this culture, don't know, but Lord, help. And he was there always, faithful as the day is long. (laughs) So we came back uh, 2004, um, took over Calvary Chapel in Pocatello, um, different type of ministry, and so on. But... We also are looking to go back on the mission fields um, and do ministry overseas in some way or another, some capacity, having a, a ministry of encouragement and so on. First Peter chapter 1. Let's go there. I've got to speed up a little bit. I have a tendency to go over time, but I don't want to do that. So First Peter 
and chapter 1. To the pilgrims, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect. And this is the encouragement of Peter towards those who are going through difficulties and trials and to remind them of who they are. And, and my prayer for you today is that you're reminded of who you are and what you have in Christ. Who you are and what you have. Elect, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Peter goes on, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again. There it is again. 2 Corinthians 5, born again, new creation. Here, Peter, begotten us again to a living hope. You know, we sang that song this morning. Christ, our, our living hope. The living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible. It can never be corrupted. It's undefiled. will never be sullied. will never be dirtied by anything. It's not going to fade away. Never lose its luster. Reserved in heaven, church, listen, for you. For you. It's reserved. Your name is on it. That place is secure for you in heaven. And guess who's going to bring you there? Guess who's going to keep you until that day? Peter goes on to say to that inheritance, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Are you rejoicing today? Or is life, is, life is hard, right? There's trials, there's difficulties, there's pain, there's death, there's sorrow, there's tears, sicknesses. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And maybe today you're here and you are grieved. You're grieving. Various trials. Trials. In the world you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, Jesus would say. The genuineness of your faith, verse 5 or verse 7, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by, the, by fire, may be found in the praise and honor and glory at the re revelation of Jesus Christ. Those trials, those testings, do a work in our lives. And during those trials and those testings, we can cry out, God, where are you? Where are you in this? And I want to encourage you today, right now, right here, right where you're at, He is in the pain. He is in the sorrow. He is right there with you. God never steps aside and looks at you and goes, yeah, yeah, you're going through a trial. I'm really not there with you, but, you know, you'll come out of it and I'll pull you out. He is with you in the suffering. You don't think our Savior knew suffering or knows suffering? He does. And so you look to Him and know that He is with you in that pain and sorrow. Let him minister to you. And those, those trials, those testings, they're doing a great work in your life and they're going to be to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's move over.
Romans 8. We're going to stop here. I wish I could go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, I know that, um, yeah, we need to, to wrap this up. Romans chapter 8. And just hope that Holy Spirit will impress this into your heart. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, church, is God for us? Okay, if God is for us, who can be against us? Is there anybody greater than God, stronger than God? Of course not. And the proof that God is for us, he who did not spare his son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? You know, the enemy tries to do that all the time. Bring a charge against us to condemn us. Have you ever felt condemned before in your own mind? Guilty? Of course, we go through that. We struggle with that. But who can bring a charge against us? We are God's elect. We are chosen. We are bound for heaven because of what Christ has done. And Christ, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Who's going to do that? Who can do that? Nobody can do that. Not even, or nothing can do it. Tribulation can't do that. Hard times, yes, but they can't separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Famine, nakedness, distress. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Church, brothers and sisters, you are more than a conqueror in Christ who conquered all for you on your behalf. You're a victor in him. In verse 38, Paul says, and I love this, for I am persuaded, brother, sister, are you persuaded? Do you stand on this side of the line convinced? Are you persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither heights, you know, the great times we have, these exuberant times, the low times in the depth are you persuaded that that love of Christ will never be taken away from you? You'll never be separated from it? Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, no one, no circumstance, no situation, no tragedy, no trial can separate us. There's security there. You church, Marinate on these truths in your life, in your heart, in your mind. Let the Word of God set you free, free to serve, free to love, because you know who you are. You know what Christ has done. You know where you're going. There's so much freedom there. Free to love, free to serve. I know I am secure in that love. I'm persuaded. Let's pray. Lord, oh man, 
Thank you for who we are in you, what we have in you. Thank you for the work you've done in our lives. And you who have begun a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We are kept by your power. Lord, there is nothing, no trial, no situation that can separate us from your love. I pray for each person in this room that they would sense the deep, deep love that you have for each one of them. Lord, I pray that you would minister to those who are hurting today, minister to those that are struggling, minister to those that are in pain, minister to those who have been traumatized by different events in their life and, and struggle with it. And maybe there's just dissonance in life. There's not a congruity, Lord. Still wondering who they are. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a deep, deep, deep freeing work in their lives today, this moment. Lord, I pray for those who've never truly met you, had that collision with you and your love, that aren't born again by the Spirit of the living God. May today be that day. May today be that moment. For those that have maybe hesitated, kind of had that, that, that compulsion to know that, that they should make that choice to follow you, but are resisting, may today be that day of freedom. May they trust you. Be born again by the Spirit of the living God. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing right now in people's lives. Touch, Lord. Heal. Restore, renew, revive, solidify their security that they have in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's go ahead and stand, you guys, and we're going to close in a song. As we close the service, please feel free to come forward. There'll be pastors up front to talk with you, encourage you, pray with you. Don't Sometimes we get those impulses we want to. We want to come forward. We want to do this or that and the other thing. And somehow we kind of resist and we don't. We turn around and we walk out those doors. Don't do that. The Lord invites you to come. So let's sing and then afterwards, please, come forward with whatever the need may be. And, and the, the staff will pray for you. God bless you. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.